Electricast. At Baker's, no matter where you order free pickup, you get the same great deals as you'd get in store. So you can save when you order during band practice or at the dog park or wherever. Start your cart with the Baker's app and save from wherever today. Baker's, fresh for everyone. $35 order minimum. Restrictions may apply. Subject to availability. Get more ways to save at the buy five or more, save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save $1 each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Hello, and welcome to the Social Psychic Radio Show, featuring Jason Zook. In uncertain times, we must change our focus and priorities. This show will highlight social justice issues with the goal of expanding minds and increasing unity, love, and mutual respect for ourselves and our planet. We support the Black Lives Matter movement, Our show aspires to promote social spirituality, which simply means that by coming together, we can solve any of our problems, including the goal of bringing an end to all forms of hate, discrimination, bias, or oppression. We must protect our environment, reform our criminal justice system, and protect every citizen from police brutality. When we come together, it becomes possible to bridge the gaps that plague our society and divide us from within. We the people means everyone. Hello and welcome to the Social Psychic Radio Show. This is Jason Zook. It's a great pleasure I have the opportunity to present special guest William Allen to the show today. He's known as a sensitive man. William is a first-time author with a writer's heart and a researcher's mind. After getting a degree in psychology, with an eye on doing psychology research, he recalibrated for a career in information technology. Our guest found himself in a 30-year career as an information technology manager at Wells Fargo, who enjoyed managing highly intelligent, often difficult staff, many of whom were highly sensitive. Our guest was awarded a prestigious Corporate Management Excellence Award for his empathic management style. He retired early from his corporate job to create his own hypno-coaching and neurofeedback brain training business known as Brain Pilots in Bend, Oregon. While in Bend, he co-organized the area's first introvert, highly sensitive person discussion group. In late 2016, our guest began his blog, The Sensitive Man, about his experiences as a highly sensitive person. The blog became the genesis of his book, Confessions of a Sensitive Man. William feels that males who are highly sensitive people need to take their keen insights and intuition and make them public. He would like to shed more light on highly sensitive males and the much needed role that they need to take in our society. It's with great pleasure I welcome our guest, William Allen, to the show. Welcome to the show, and I'm just so happy to talk to you about this topic. I've had prior guests on that talked about highly sensitive individuals, but with this topic, it's just so important. We need to share it. We need to talk about it. We need to raise awareness of it because there are members of our audience that are listening to this who are likely highly sensitive males themselves, and they probably have never really thought of themselves that way. And I'd like to ask you just from your perspective, if you could describe to our audience, what do you view as a highly sensitive male or highly sensitive person as a male? And how would our audience know if they fit into that category? Okay, great. Absolutely. There is a specific definition for this type. This is a personality trait. It's not an abnormality. It's not a something that's wrong. 
although a lot of people look at it that way, but it's not. It's just a personality trait. It's, it's generally genetic, and it either is enhanced or diminished somewhat by the environment that you're in. I like to think of it like this. Dr. Elaine Aaron is the person who discovered this trait, made it famous about 30 years ago. And she has a definition, which is pretty succinct and right to the point. And she uses an acronym called DOES, D-O-E-S. And the D stands for depth of processing. Now, highly sensitive people are very deep thinkers. They're not shallow thinkers. They're very deep thinkers. And they process information at a very deep level. It could be emotional content, sensory content, just things that are contextual stuff with the environment. But it usually gets processed with a kind of a deep churn. That helps them in many ways do creative thinking. But it's a slow churning process. And these people who have that that aspect of the trait know right away because that's very familiar to them. They're not those kind of snap battlefield thinkers. They're kind of people that like to sit and mull something over for quite a bit. The second letter is O, and that represents overstimulation, overwhelm. That's one of the things that most people see when they see a highly sensitive person. It's an external facing thing, although it's based internally receive a lot of sensory information and with the deep processing that those two things coupled together can cause us to be overstimulated. And when ha- what happens with that is sensitive people need downtime. They need a break. They need to get away. Sometimes people look at it as being antisocial, but it's really not. It's a necessity <laughs> to be able to process the information that we have and process the emotions through that. So that's one thing that is very visible with a lot of highly sensitive people is this tendency towards the overstimulation and overwhelm. The third letter is E, and that stands for two things, actually, emotional reactivity. Highly sensitive people are very deep feelers of emotion. They process emotions at a very deep level. Things move them much more so, and visibly a lot of times, these are things that people can see a highly sensitive person, they tend to be more emotional or moved by artwork or they're moved by touching things that go on in the environment and so forth. This is where a lot of men get tripped up because men are socialized. Not to be that way. Not to be like that. Do not be emotional. The only emotions that men get a free pass on are either to be angry or to be joyful at some kind of victory or something like that. But they're not allowed a lot of these other deep emotions. The other half of the E is empathy. Highly sensitive people are extremely empathetic. So you find highly sensitive people tend to be in the helping professions. They tend to be doctors. They tend to be therapists. They tend to be religious leaders, that kind of thing. It's anywhere they can help other people because they have a strong tendency towards feeling what the other person is feeling. And so the tendency there is to be very empathetic. And lastly, the S stands for sensing the subtle in the world, sensing the subtleties in the world. I like to think of it as a sensory acuity. I don't think that highly sensitive people have better sensory organs, but what happens is a lot of that sensory data that we get is filtered out by most people. If you think of a camera with an aperture, it's more open, the more light comes in, the more closed, the less light. I think highly sensitive people, their aperture for the or their filter is a little bit more open. So they're processing more things. So a highly sensitive per- person could walk into a room and pick up the vibe immediately because they're picking up all the cues there, how people are standing, how they're talking, 
they might e- even be able to say, oh, the detect that the music's too loud or the perfume that someone across the room is smelling is too strong or those sort of sensory information pieces. A lot of people just block out because they filter them out. Highly sensitive people are wired to process that. So those four main characteristics, really the benchmark, these are the scientifically validated attributes to high sensitivity. There's a lot of other things and a lot more research that needs to be done to maybe fill in some more of the definition. But right now, that's what we know as the main definition. And did you derive that from psychological studies or what, where did you, you mentioned the person that came up with, I'm sorry. I Dr. Lane, this is actually from Dr. Lane Aaron, and she is a research psychologist and she's also a clinician as well. And she's been doing research on this for a long time. And again, wrote the book, Highly Sensitive Person back in the mid nineties. That's the seminal work on high sensitivity as a personality. Interesting. As you were talking about male stereotypes, basically, I wrote down the word emotion equals weakness and vulnerability. Perfect. That's that's what our audience is going to be battling against within themselves is that they need to come to grips with their emotions and understand it. And like you said, depth of processing. I know people who fit that definition. People who take longer when they have an argument with somebody, for example, let's say there's an argument between two people and one person sits there and doesn't want confrontation right away about the argument, wants to process it. As you were saying that, I thought of someone like that, that fits that kind of where they have to mull it over in their head. Sometimes they can get stuck in their thoughts, stuck in their head. That's exactly what happens. I think a lot of times, and one of the reasons why highly sensitive people on average, I would say are not confrontational. Usually people who are either good at doing that or people who tend to do that are people who process a lot quicker. And so they're not diving deep when they're doing whatever they're doing or saying what they're saying. The other half of that, too, is that highly sensitive people are empathetic. So they're also thinking, if I come back with this line, am I going to hurt the person I'm talking to? And it's one of those counterproductive if you're trying to debate somebody about something or even get into a heated argument. But you're absolutely right, Jason. Men, particularly, this is one of the reasons why I'm out talking as many places as I can. So needed, though. (laughs) Highly sensitive. There's 20% of the human population has this trait. And that's over a billion and a half people. Half of those, almost exactly half, are men. And the hardest part about this so far that I've seen is getting men to come out and admit that they have this trait. And so they, because they always see it just like you were talking about as a weakness, as a frailty, is maybe too feminine and not certainly against our what our traditional definition of what a man is supposed to be. And that's what you're, it's like traditional. Where right. does that definition even work anymore in our society with everything else? That, that's a perfect point. And it's something I try, I try to make repeatedly. I do make it repeatedly in both of the books that I've written is when I started writing these books, I was really writing about the trait. But as I started writing more and digging more, I started realizing it's also about the fault and the way we define masculinity these days. And our gender roles or how the roles we're supposed to assume in society and relationships within ourselves too. It's a lot. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. It needs to be looked at. One of the things I found too in the discussions I've had is the younger generations, and I'm in my mid-60s, so I'm a boomer, So anyway, but Gen Z and millennials, these guys are like open to this idea. They're they're when I talk to them about it, they go, Yeah, 
I'm with you. So they're much more open-minded. What do you think when it comes to highly sensitive people? And I'll ask you this because we're on my show and we deal with spirituality too. I know psychology has its own definition of it. Spiritually, I've always, as I've delved into this stuff more and more and I, you get in the deep end, you can like practice spiritual stuff, I should say, as a psychic. I, I use my lawyer mind and my psychic mind. And I'll ask you this question. Coming at it from a spiritual point of view, is there anything that you found in your own experiences when you talk to people who are highly sensitive males, for example, that they've expressed that they may have a spiritual awakening or some type of a life event that triggers them becoming more aware of their high sensitivities, for example, like a death of a parent or a divorce or some life-changing experience that causes them to retreat inward? Like, for example, 2020, 2021, most of us had the retreat inwards. And I was wondering if you've had any of your people you work with share with you a spiritual point of view on it. Cause I, I have some spiritual insight on it. I think empaths, we all are intuitive. And I think sometimes empaths are people who are very open emotionally and can in tune. And you mentioned empath empathy is one of the traits. And I look at it from a spiritual point of view and I'll say, we call them empaths. So I wanted to ask you if you've had any, any independent observations or anyone talk to you about it from the, their own vantage point regarding spirituality within themselves being intuitive, having a spiritual, I didn't know if that was anything in your own personal experiences that you'd like to share. I absolutely think that you're right about that. I do think people who are highly sensitive tend to drift more towards the spiritual side of things, because often the processing we do is more emotionally tuned in, more intuitively tuned in. And I think that opens us to looking at more spiritual aspects than we say, you're nuts and bolts totally logical, unemotional kind of viewpoint of life. And I do think that highly sensitive people, in fact, I think a lot of spiritual leaders, great spiritual leaders that have occurred in the past were HSPs. They were highly sensitive people. I think being an empath also means that you're not only able to tune in to things that are around you or tune in through other people, but it's that relatability to other people and feeling what other people are feeling that sort of supports this notion of interconnectedness. And I think that's a big love that. thing. I love uh, that. For a, a spiritual natured people is that realization that we are all interconnected. And if we're all interconnected, obviously not necessarily physically, but at some level of consciousness, we are. I think that just a naturally takes you into a spiritual dimension. I went into a sensory deprivation tank a couple of years ago. I've done it twice. Uh, you know yeah. what those are? That's when you go in these tanks and they put you in a tank with salinated water, high salt content water. Yeah, I was in one this summer. Oh, okay. So you understand. So we can share that with the audience. When I went in that the first time, I had a very prolific experience. I felt like I was in this, it was almost like the matrix. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't Neo, and I, but I felt the interconnectedness of everything in the universe, yeah. not just us here. And I realized from that vantage point, the ripple effects. We always hear those words, ripple effects. And right. one of the things I'll share with you is after the COVID thing happened, when everybody stopped working out and we're remote, remotely working, we saw the interconnectedness on the planet, pollution levels going down, animals returning to areas that hadn't been in generations, birds, right. and you remember that. And it shows you how strong, if we work together in unison with each other, we could probably settle a lot of our problems plaguing our planet. And I think part of that is connecting with understanding the nature of what HSP can do, and also being able to create for people who deal with it, a greater awareness. So they're not overwhelmed by it or thinking that they're somehow afflicted with something. It's more about understanding it so that you can get beyond it and know how to operate within it. And I wanted to ask you from that context, 
when you deal with your client or people you work with, what advice do you give to someone who's an HSP male when they first discover that they have this issue? How do you, what advice do you give them about? There, there are three things that I would, in fact, it's funny because I'm writing a blog article about that today called How HSP Men Can Change the World. The three things that I really focus on here is, first of all, part of the reason why HSP men are, are reticent about accepting sensitivity is they don't really understand the trait. What they see is the outward manifestation sometimes that society has labeled as being pejorative. Like, for example, too much emotion for a man. That's not considered to be not as taboo. What does that even mean, though? Like, too I, much no, emotion I, for a man? Yeah, I, we're socialized to believe that. I know it's dysfunctional, though, when you think about it from that vantage totally point. Right? Hide and your I, emotions. And I was going to take that, Jason, and tie it into what's happening on our planet because I think this ideal about masculinity that we've held for centuries is the reason why we exploit the planet, why we're exploiting each other, why we have problems with income inequality, why we have issues with different groups and entities our society, it all has to do with this sort of hegemonic masculinity, right? This kind of males dominate everything. And it's not given us peace or harmony. And look what's happening in Ukraine. And this is what I'm saying is that I think people that are younger, perhaps than us, but we see it too, is this idea that where are we going with this? And I think a lot of it has to do with a kind of a pardon the expression, but it's a pissing contest between men. And what happens is we get wars, we have pollution, we have people who act like nothing is wrong in the, with climate change and so forth and so on. Sounds like the last five years. Exactly. And I think <laughs> you're absolutely right about what happened with COVID, because COVID to me was an object la- a lesson that nature laid on us and said, look, you know what? You're all interconnected. Correct. You don't believe it. I've got stuff that will make you realize that. I have to share something with that. When COVID happened at its height, and I know we're still in the middle of it, but it's, it seems like it's starting to finally wind down. I remember having to ask my friends, oh, have you been around other people? That's how interconnected we were. If we wanted to yeah. try to do our little gathering, five people for right. dinner, have you met anyone else? Have you been practicing social? And I'm thinking to myself, wow, are we interconnected if we have to do that with each other just to see yeah. each other? Things that we took for granted were suddenly put into a different context because of COVID. And Correct. even the simplest thing, think about even toilet paper for granted. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All the stuff that was going on because of what happened to it. But let me finish that point up about sure. what I tell of the high sensitive. One thing is to get educated about the trade. There's more and more information that's coming out. Books, guys like myself are writing about high sensitivity. Dr. Tracy Cooper writes a lot of great stuff. He's a thought leader for highly sensitive men. There's information out there now more so than there was 10 years ago for men. Okay. There's what usually happens is a lot of women gravitate to this high sensitivity thing if they're highly sensitive and they don't have a problem with it. Men are the ones that are still lost running around, not understanding what it is. So first get educated about it. Once you get educated about the trait, then I think it's easier for you to embrace what it is. And you start to realize it's not all negative stuff. In fact, the being aware of your environment, like highly sensitive people are, is actually a very much of a gift. And being able to put dots together, it makes you more creative. And being able to deep process does that too. And so some of our greatest entertainers, some of our greatest thought leaders 
uh, and are, are highly sensitive people because they have that capacity to do that. And then finally, the last thing, you need to get out and start telling other people. I mean, really, truly, we we got to get the word out about this. And I think we need to start getting men on board because I honestly think highly sensitive men can be on the cutting edge of helping reshape what we think masculinity is and make it more human, make it more open, and make it more relevant to our times. It's just not where it is today. It's just not there. Do you think part of highly sensitive people with males, I should say, I'm trying to use the term. Do you think that they struggle with this process their whole life? And as they mature, that the maturity of life experience can sometimes help them understand that this is something that, in other words, they become more aware of of their processes with it and they become more embracing of it as they get through life experience versus say someone who's 18 years old. Have you found anything? I think, yeah, I think they do. In fact, a lot of the older HSP males, but what I find is a certain pattern. People like myself who may not be career-wise working in and around tools that have to do with the mind, developing, calming, learning techniques, that kind of thing. We just naturally are gravitating to those things over the course of our lives because we're looking for something that will calm our nervous system and how we can sort of focus our nervous system in a positive way. And I think over time, they start to realize, especially if they are finding things like meditation or some kind of brain training or even hypnosis to help them to calm down, focus and concentrate it, they start to realize, you know what, this isn't a bad thing. I can use this. I can make something out of this. It doesn't always happen that way, unfortunately. And a lot of men, whether they're HSPs or not, especially in my age group, the suicide rates are going up for these guys. The demographic for suicides is going up in men generally, but it really is going up in men that are older because they're not able to meet up to the standard of masculinity and never be vulnerable, never ask for help, never show emotion, never be as asking anybody to help you do anything. And so what happens is you suffer by yourself. We all know what that means to people if they have to do that. This is not something we would encourage. Yeah, all this stuff we label as masculinity is not only toxic to other groups, but it's toxic to men. I I, I just, yeah, they're not able to live a full value of their life by staying closed off. Yeah. And they're probably also not able to have very deep relationships either. Exactly. About that. They're certainly not expressive of relationships and emotionally expressed with their kids, with their partner, with whoever, even friends. That's a You'd have to be a psychic to understand the person. <laughs> yeah, because uh, even guys having friendships, they don't always have close relationships with other men where they can talk about things. So it's just a sad way of defining what a man's supposed to be. If you were to think of someone that's a famous HSP male, who would it be? And what would you admire about that person? I wrote about this in the book. I was looking to, there's a, probably a, a good number of them, historical figures, but somebody that's in recent and somebody's in my pit was in my peer group was Robin Williams. I oh, have wow. no doubt in my mind that Robin Williams was a highly sensitive man. And the reason why I, I know that is he used his comedy. He's a brilliant, brilliant individual. I was a big fan. Mork and Mindy? <laughs> yeah. Yes, absolutely. All the way Among all the other roles. And you know what, too, Jason? He was a brilliant actor. You think about Dead Poet Society or you think about Goodwill Hunting. He was brilliant. Even Mrs. Doubtfire, I enjoyed his role, like in yeah. that. 
in that role, he was still playing a sensitive man trying to be in touch with his children. See, but he in life, I think, was a sensitive man. I, of course, I didn't know him. And he tended to mask it a lot when he was being interviewed. But every once in a while, there would be some interviews that I had seen of him where he was allowing himself to be seen for who he was. And he was a very sensitive man, I thought. And I think the brilliance of his comedy and the brilliance of his mind had a lot to do with the fact that he was sensitive. He was perceptive. He was aware. So he would That's be an somebody. Intuition. That, That's a form of intuition, I think, a gift. Absolutely it is. Absolutely it is. It's a lot of it's just unconscious material that bubbles up that you've stored from your life experiences. Now, if you want to get into the spiritual realm, I tend to believe that there is a super consciousness and that or unconscious is the way to tap into that. So that's also being able to tap into the collective unconscious is to use your unconscious mind to do the same thing. So intuition can come from your own experiences. It can also come from something outside of yourself. I love the example of Robin Williams. I was thinking if in my mind, as you were talking about the definition with the DOES, I was thinking of someone like Nelson Mandela or someone like MLK. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Someone who puts the larger causes before themselves and would even be willing to put their life on the line for it. I think that's an example of an HSP male because if they were overly masculine, they would get caught up in the wanting to dominate and not wanting to have peaceful resolution and passive no violence when you're protesting. Yeah, I think anywhere where you find an empathetic individual you, who puts themselves at a lower level than the people they're trying to help and they become part of a cause that's greater than themselves. I think probably at some level, they're very sensitive. And sensitivity, by the way, is on a spectrum. It's not just high sensitive people and then everybody else is insensitive. It's a spectrum. And people who are on the higher end, maybe not as high as a highly sensitive person, are still have the same kind of attributes. They just at a little less of a level than, say, people at the HSP level. I want to ask you about your book. I wanted the, the Confessions sure. of a Sensitive Man. I know you mentioned you have more than one book, but I want to at least ask about that first. I want to ask you what, what prompted you to write your book. I, when I started writing the blog in 2016, I had a lot of questions. And there weren't a lot of blogs about HSP men. So I started writing things about, can you be a sensitive man and be a football fan, right? Because <laughs> I, I was a tremendous football fan. And I kept thinking that they don't seem to jive because it's a violent game. Such a machismo sport and the stereotypes and so forth. So I had questions like that. And also I had questions about relationships and career and work and stuff like that. So I compiled these blog articles and then added material as well. And the first book, Confessions of a Sensitive Man, was actually my sharing, my experience over the course of my life. It's not a biography, but it's experiential learned events and related to different topics in the book. And it was my way of saying, this is how I dealt with this, how I handle it. And so I've had a lot of great feedback from people who've told me, dude, you absolutely nailed it. That's exactly how I felt. So it made me feel good. Like my experiences are not just my individual experiences, but they're all shared by many other men as well who are highly sensitive. So the book was really my life as a highly sensitive man. And observations and so forth. The other book, the second book was on being a sensitive man is more about a trail guide. I like to think of it as a trail guide. I hate to think it's an all encompassing. This is all you need to know about being a high sensitive man. Cause I don't think that book's been written yet. 
But I think it's a, a good starting point for men to look at on how they can navigate being a highly sensitive man. I love that. I wanted to ask you in reference to like you mentioned football, I was going to ask you one, one better than that. Do you think that a professional football player could be a highly sensitive man? I think all you have to do is watch the end of a championship game because you're going to have on one side guys that are literally crying. And I think that's expressing some emotion. And it may not be high HSPs, but they're showing sensitivity there by expressing the sadness and in public, in front of millions of people. <laughs> on the winning side, you see guys that are expressing themselves by hugging people, being affectionate and that kind of thing. Yes, absolutely. And I think one of my favorite basketball players and somebody went to the university that I love is University of North Carolina was Michael Jordan. I think he's a sensitive guy. Excellent player. Probably the best that live has lived so far, but of course that's arguable, but the idea is that he was a very sensitive guy when he talked about his father, when his dad passed the times interviews he's done and so forth and so on. I think he's a very sensitive man, caring man as well. I find that interesting too, because I, I thought about that. And I'm thinking to myself, I bet you most athletes have some level of HSP in them, but they probably have to play the sport, do their role, do everything else. That it's one of the components, just like 20% of, as you said, a general statistic. But it's an interesting topic to think about when you yeah. play a professional sport and then you have this highly sensitive aspect of yourself and you got to figure it out <laughs> in, in such a way where you're in this. Yeah. I don't know. I can't say for sure because I'm not an athlete and I certainly am not around professional athletes, but I think that it's changing a little bit. I see demeanor change. When I was growing up in the 60s watching guys like Dick Butkus and Ray Nitschke, and these were guys that you would call traditional masculine figures, right? These were guys that would go out there with a broken leg and play. And they they were wanting to exact violence on other men, that kind of thing. So it's a little different than I think that we see some of that today, where there's a little bit less of that, although it is a violent game, no no matter how you shake and bake it, it is violent. It was just something I picked up growing up in the South. I love football, and and it's still with me today. And even though I'm recognizing as a sensitive man that it's violent and it can be, I can find myself being somewhat weird when I'm watching a game. End of the day, I'm still a highly sensitive man. So you can be both, I think. What about Will Smith? Do you think yeah. he's a highly sensitive male? It's very possible that he is. I really don't know that much about him. I've seen some of the films that he's done. It, the topics they pick, I think, are, are more indi- indicative of whether they're sensitive or not as actors. And actors, as a rule, I think, tend to be more highly sensitive because they're more perceptive. about. And they have to get in a role. You have to get get into the role. You have to be able to identify with it. And then you have to be, uh, you have to, at some point, release the emotion or the feelings of of the character you're playing. That requires a certain amount of of comfort with being able to do that. What he did the other night, I don't know. That was, that could be another psychological issue that he has. (laughs) I think everybody is not sure. There's a debate about whether it was right or wrong. I just, I think it was a lack of control on his part. I appreciate his wanting to defend his wife, but yeah, this is not the way to do it. The way I look at it, I'm not going to, I just was curious about that. But I, when I deal with stuff like that, I say, I send good healing energy his way. I pray for him and hopefully everyone gets Perfect. past the negativity of the past few days yeah. and it gets better. Absolutely. Hopefully it's a learning moment for him as well. Exactly. I wanted to ask you, when did you first discover you had this ability, high, that you were a highly sensitive person? I think 
all of my life I knew was different. Because one of the things that highly sensitive people hear more than often than anything else is you're too sensitive. And I heard that going up since I was a little tiny boy, I heard it, you're too sensitive, you're too sensitive. So that's where the indoctrination of sensitivity and being a bad thing came about for me and probably for a lot of other men. But to your point, I didn't even know it was a trait until I read Elaine Aaron's book. And I didn't read her book right out of the sh- out of the gate in the mid-90s. I read it probably in the early 2000s. And honestly, Jason, it took me 10 years for me to get my hand wrapped around. Because I read the book and I said, yep, that's me, that's me, that's me, that's me. But I couldn't embrace it as a man. I kept thinking, nope, but I don't want to be a sensitive man. So it took me about 10 years to do it. And now that I have done that, I feel so much better and I feel more authentic and I feel like I can be myself. So I think that's what it is. If, if anyone who's dealing with these kind of issues that they're not emoting properly or they don't feel in tuned or they're overly sensitive and they have to get aware of what to do, I feel like being aware and acting on it and changing how you view it is imperative to being able to get a handle on it, so to speak. And I don't think it's something you need to handle on. I think it's something you need to be aware of so that you can adjust your life and make it the highest quality life for yourself as possible. And for everyone who loves you and everyone in your life, like it affects all aspects of you. Absolutely. And I think the key to all of this is like I said, getting to understand the trait because there are challenges with this personality trait. There's no question about it, but there are techniques and tools and things you can do to help you with those things. And if you can do those things, I think it becomes less of this sort of burden and less of a challenge. It becomes more of, let's look at the positive part of it now because I've handled the things that are challenging. Do you recommend, for example, we were talking earlier and you said one of the things is hypnosis people can do, meditation, hypnosis, breath work, all these various healing modalities or healing methods. Right. Is that what you'd recommend to someone who's, who thinks they might be an HSP male and they get overwhelmed with anxiety? You'd recommend possibly well, looking at all these various options? Yeah, you're not going to get away from being overwhelmed and overstimulated. That's the way you're wired. The question is, how are you going to handle it? And I think of it in terms of resiliency, not it's how quickly you bounce back. I love that. And so to doing things like meditation, breath work, even getting out in nature and taking a hike, a walk or whatever to let your thoughts process through without any interference that's going to help you. Whatever it is, everybody's going to find their little tool that they're going to do, but you've got to look for those things. And the, and what you do when you're doing things like meditation or breath work is you're teaching your brain to be resilient. Once you learn, when I was doing hypnosis, I one of the first things I would tell people is, you know, we're going to count down, I want you to relax. And what I found out, Jason, is that most people don't know what relaxation is. I don't mean to laugh when I say that I'm reacting to you because a lot of people I do readings with, or I interact with through this channel, my spirituality in my life. A lot of people come up to me and are like, how do you meditate? I go, have you ever daydreamed? Has your mind ever wandered when you're in traffic and you find yourself having to bring yourself back to where you are? They're like, yeah, I'm like, that's a form of meditation. It's a yeah. very, it's not, it's like breathing to me. Meditation is like breathing. It doesn't require yeah. this big to do ceremony with right. rocks and water and music and lights like a spa. I could meditate in an elevator. It doesn't matter where I am. And you know what's great about it too is it's portable. It's, it's it goes everywhere you go. It doesn't exactly. cost you anything to do it. So once you learn a, a technique that works for you, it, it's portable. Which and it's powerful because it's very if powerful. anything we've learned the last few years is our coping abilities can be just as important as anything else we do in life. And when you mentioned yeah. toilet paper earlier, I've said this on other shows before, but I remember at the pinnacle of the beginning, like in 2020, sometime probably the summer. 
when everybody was like running to the grocery stores, trying to get their toilet paper stocked and all that. I had four rolls of toilet paper left in my house. I panicked like it was a burning building. And then I had to keep myself grounded and say, what am I doing to myself? I would never be like that normally. It was yeah. from dealing with these things. And I laughed when you were talking about that earlier, because I don't necessarily see myself as a highly sensitive person, but I do feel I'm an empath. And I've grounded myself by being able to, I do crystal meditation. I meditate with rose quartz in my non-dominant hand. I do breath work. I do go out in nature and go for a walk here in Tampa. I'll go walking. Are usually you in once. Tampa? Really? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm in Tampa. I'm, I'm in Lutz. I'm in Lutz. Oh, we're neighbors. <laughs> Small world. Uh. Absolutely. Fellow Floridian. Your backyard does not look like Florida. Though. No, that's my Oregon fake background. Okay, okay. I have up there. It reminds me of home. It's got. Snow. I love it. People say you're in Florida. What's the snow on the ground for? And I said, that's not real. It's fake, but it reminds me of home. I love it. I love it. I want to ask you this. When you think about your journey and everything that you've been doing, focusing on this topic, what has been the greatest obstacle for you trying to persuade males about the importance of understanding this? And how it could influence their life in a positive way if they get a better grip on it or understanding yeah. of it. I think the biggest thing, and this is the reason why I'm starting to focus. In fact, the next book I'm going to be working on is on redefining masculinity or creating a new term for ma- or form for masculinity. Is this idea of sensitive men generally have questions about their masculinity, right? And it's not something I'll talk about, but it, it's there. And being sensitive is just it's inconsistent with this model definition they have that been taught since they were child and children. So that seems to be the hardest thing because that you can't flush them out if they won't admit that they're sensitive and able to sit and honestly talk about it. So that seems to be the biggest challenge right now. And I think, again, masculinity, not just for HSPs, but for all men in our culture, and it could be anywhere. Actually, I've talked to people from all over the world and, I just saw an article from the in the New York Times about the Japanese Chinese government was cracking down on sissy boys and they in their television and their movie industry and they wanted to say that it was it's not giving a good image to Chinese men if you do things like that and they're more just metrosexual type guys like K-pop where they ban K-pop from China yeah so anyway I think we got we've got a worldwide problem with what masculine is and I think if we start redefining that to a level that men can be themselves, I think you'll see things change in the world. I really do. But that is the biggest problem with sensitive men is trying to get them to admit it. That has been a difficult thing. And it can take all, it can take years. It's your own journey. It can take, like you said, it took you 10 years to get your mind around it and finally accept it for yeah, yourself. But here's the thing though, I did it by myself. I didn't, I didn't have a group of men or know of men that I could talk to about it. And this is where I'm thinking that if we can get more high sensitive men to get out and evangelize, if you will, about the trade, it'll be easier for other men to do it and a shorter arc of they'll travel on to get there. What do you think is the evolutionary purpose of highly sensitive people? Wayne Aaron uses that very same idea that if you look at the spectrum of people, 20% are highly sensitive. Those people are cautious, advisory looking for the things that could go wrong kind of thing. So they're the canary in the coal mine of the human population. That serves a purpose. That makes people stop and think. Now, the other 20% at the lower end are much less impacted by the environment. 
less sensitive to change and so forth. So they tend to be more risk takers. You need those too. You need to have some risk takers to move things forward. So there is a kind of a balance. And there's, of course, people in the middle as well. So I think the evolutionary purpose for highly sensitive people is to help balance out this sort of risk taking that could be dangerous, driving the bus off the cliff. It might not be a good idea, say the highly sensitive people, and they talk people, advise them and so forth without doing that kind of thing. So it has a kind of a balancing effect, right? You want to be able to take some risk. You have to have people that are comfortable with that, but you also have to have a group of people that are your cautionary people to keep the, I like to think of it as like meerkats, the ones that pop up and they'll top of the, hit of the mound and they look around, is it okay to go out and so forth? That's what, in a kind of a funny way of describing highly sensitive people. That's interesting because we're talking about males. How about boys, like younger individuals who are HSP? How do we work with them? What do we need to do like with team sports or education or group settings that, for them to help them? Yeah, that's I, one of the things I talk about in the book is that we need to get to what we call authoritarian figures within like coaches, teachers, counselors, religious leaders, et cetera, et cetera, and talk to them about this trait. Because boys have a boy code. It's really just man code junior. And so it is really, they're mimicking the same thing. And there's a strict enforcement. I experienced it growing up too. You can't do that. You're going to be too much like a girl or you're going to be too much like a sissy or something like that. And it forces by shaming boys to go back into being the stoic warrior kind of unemotional person. And really flat out deny some of the emotional content that boys should be able to express freely. I think it's interesting in the context we're talking about with highly sensitive males and boys, and in thinking about gender roles and the societal challenges right now that we're trying to define what's a gender role and what's appropriate, what's not appropriate, what's accepted, what's not accepted. And I feel like if you can peel back the onion on this topic, and if you can get a lot of those 20% of those males out there that deny their sensitivity, they'd probably be more empathic if they could get in touch with themselves and Absolutely. we wouldn't have these culture wars going on right now or these issues. I, I think when you, when you say, when we're talking about it, that's one of the things that crossed my mind is that you have people trying to dictate what's masculine versus what's not masculine, what's traditional versus reality. And like you said, the younger generation, they're not even ascribing to the way we, you know, the way that older generations looked at tradition roles and how people absolutely. should. Yeah, absolutely. I noticed that in my grandkids and I notice it in my kids that they're much more open-minded than I was. And certainly my parents were about these kind of things. This is something that's been with us for forever. It's just that we're at a point now where people are starting to say it's, the information is out there because of the internet, because of social media, et cetera, et cetera. People are more informed about what's going on. So they're more open, tend to be more open-minded, except for traditionalists who don't want people getting out of the box, right? Exactly. <laughs> so. Which everyone has their space or whatever. I respect that. But I always advocate for equality, inclusive, those kind of things. So I was looking at it from the vantage point of this, and I was thinking, how much of a struggle could that even be when you put all that other stuff into it? Gender roles yeah. and understanding those things. Yeah. And I think that's those are going to be some of the defining issues for the next 20, 30 years is how we deal with those. Because that's about one word that you just said, I think is really important is inclusivity, is having people included. So they're not shamed into being something they're not. They're able to be who they are. You're going to have happier people, less mental health issues, I would think. Yes, Because people sure. are not, not trying to do something that's against their, their natural grain. 
Yeah. And I'd say too, if we could get people more in tune with that, if you could get a portion of that 20% of the male population to understand that they have this sensitivity, you would probably change a lot of minds and attitudes and other things that we're talking about, like gender roles and all that. I feel like if you can advocate inclusivity for people who struggle within themselves to get in grips with their own emotional makeup and their own empathic abilities and sensitivities, they would be more willing to look at people differently than themselves and respect that and be inclusive, I believe. I agree with you. I think that you don't need the entire population to come over it and understand this. You just need a small percentage will make be there to instigate kind of big changes. Just it doesn't require the entire population to do it. Exactly. I want to ask time goes fast when we do these and especially when I'm enjoying the topic and we're having such a great conversation. I want to ask you if our audience wanted to find you, what would be the best way for them to reach out to you directly? My website is simply it's thesensitiveman.com. It's got everything in there. It's got my blogs. It's got links to podcasts I've been on. It's got stuff that I've written. I'm going to hopefully this year start putting together some coursework based on the second book. And then also I'd like to do some coaching later on and use the hypnosis part of it. I could could see you doing a coaching practice, actually. I pick up stuff intuitively. And as you just said that, I felt like you definitely will have your own coaching practice with your own students. And you're probably going to have your own like Zoom calls and group conferences and all those kind of things. Thank you. Thank you. I can see that going through this year and next year. So I appreciate that. I just pick up stuff. I'll share it when I'm (laughs) talking to people. Thank you. I appreciate you said it at the right time. (laughs) What I was going to say to you too, is a lot of times it's like we have the idea. And then if I pick up on it, I can tell you it's more than an idea for you. You're going to make it happen. You're going to do the Good. Well, I appreciate it. Like I said, I really do appreciate it. I, I really want to thank you for coming on. It's such a refreshing opportunity to talk about this topic in the context of masculinity, gender roles, traditional norms and mores and all that kind of stuff. And I think it's good when we can peel this back a little bit, look at it analytically and give some insight to people to say, hey, you know what? If you feel like you have this in you, they can reach out to you and talk to you directly. They can read your book. They can look at your blog and go on your site. And that's the beauty about where we are right now. We might be doing a lot of problems in our world and there's always going to be problems, but at least we have the ability to mass inform each other as long as it's it's verified and everything like that. But it's beautiful that we can share these ideas because that's how people are going to start changing their attitudes. Hearing us talk right now about this topic. Absolutely. I just want to thank William Allen for coming on the show. The sensitive man, I think it's a lot of courage when you can make a big point of your passion and meaning to try to change and become more inclusive in our society. Being a highly sensitive male has its challenges, as we've discussed, and there's a lot that we still have to do to go on the journey of providing full inclusivity and acceptance of HSP males. But I want you to check out William Allen's website. I'll have it in the show notes. I definitely recommend it. I think this is where we can really appreciate where we are right now. And if we can help our fellow males and individuals in our lives to help them understand if they're, if they have this kind of a thing, get more in tuned with it, work on it, work on ourselves, improve yourself. There's nothing negative about finding out having clarity in your life and having someone like William come from the corporate world, working at Wells Fargo and having these awards and decided he decided to make his passion, leaving that and doing this on his journey. That's something we should respect and admire because his contributions are going to be what helps 
move this forward amongst everything else that we're doing. So check out The Sensitive Man. Check out his book, Confessions of a Sensitive Man. I'll have his website in the information in the notes. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. There'll be more content coming. Stay positive because when you're positive, anything's possible. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Social Psychic Radio Show. Don't forget to join us for another episode next time. If you enjoyed the show, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give us a review on iTunes. You can also check us out on Facebook, and don't forget to visit the Social Psychic YouTube channel. Until next time, it's a big world out there. Keep an open mind, embrace your paradigms, and know that the universe is always yours to explore. At Baker's, no matter where you order free pickup, you get the same great deals as you'd get in store. So you can save when you order during band practice or at the dog park or wherever. Start your cart with the Baker's app and save from wherever today. Baker's, fresh for everyone. $35 order minimum restrictions may apply. Subject to availability. Get more ways to save at the buy five or more, save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Welcome to Ringside with Ray and Prince. My name is Ray Leonard Jr. Oh, is that the No, that's just my dad. My name is Prince Daniels Jr. Daniels again with a big hole. On this show, we come to humanize athletes, entertainers, business executives. We're going to see what makes them tick. Tuesdays, 10 a.m. Pacific time on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, and wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you there. Peace and power. Electric acid. Ever thought about starting your own podcast? Do you have a business or a message you want to share with the world? Well, now it's easier than ever with Electricast. Hi, I'm Mark Netter. And I'm Peter Rafelson. We're the founders of Electricast Media. Whether you want to start a new podcast or already have one, join Electricast to grow your audience, monetize your content, and build your community. With our simple sign-up, you get free promotion, world-class analytics, premium ads, and personal support. Go to Electricast.com and join our community today. Electricast. Transform your influence. Electric acid. Electric acid.